Okay, I'm going to start out in Psalms 2. I was thinking um, <clears throat> that um, I was thinking this week as we approached Mother's Day that um, my uh, my mother was responsible for my faith and uh, it's important to recognize the the unique good things and um, she was insistent on it on her own journey in faith herself and um, she was uh, so um, supportive of me and always she she was the first to really believe in me and um, the way she did and uh, got me to this place so grateful for her I want to take some time, I want to get moving and uh, get started here so I don't hold you up, uh, hold you too long. And um, we're going to talk about decrees and declarations. And it's, I mean, we dabble in it sometimes, but um, I know for myself, maybe I'm preaching to myself today, that's always a good place to start, <laughs> and uh, that I, um, I'm making steps and progress, and I've shared with you my um, list of impossible with man, but possible with God, and uh, every week another situation arises, and I go, oh, there's the impossible list, you know, that makes the impossible list too, impossible with man, but with God, all things are possible, and uh, training myself and pressing in instead of shying away from these things to pray for the impossible. And it has helped me so much to just call them that. As I fear that I'm not alone, that our faith is based on what is possible, not what is impossible. And if something is possible, it almost doesn't qualify as, you know, faith, huh? Because it's seen, it's figured out, it's, you know. So faith doesn't really even come into play there. But when you come to a point of reliance and, and in everything that you pray and you commit something to the Lord because you know the frailty of everything we lean on in our culture and society whether it's our finances, our medical uh, things around us, all of those things, they, they are imperfect. They have faults. They have failures. And with great intentions, uh, they, can, they can be less than. And so I've been studying this psalm and just learning things. And starting out in Psalms 2, 7, you don't even have to turn there. It's just this phrase, I will declare the decree, or I will, make, I will declare a decree. And so breaking this word down, declare as a verb means to make known formally, officially, or explicitly. To decree something as a verb or action is to command, ordain, or to decide by decree, to decree it, put it out. As a noun, the word decree is a formal and authoritative order, especially one having the force of law. 
In law, it's a judicial decision or order. It's an order. You declare it. It's decreed. Boom. And in theology, one of the eternal purposes of God by which events are foreordained. An official statement also as decree, an official statement that something must happen. An official statement that something must happen. Are you getting the picture? Do you understand this? And so when you apply faith to that and you make a decree or declare something, if you believe something must happen. A story. Jane um, Hammond, in this book, um, Declaration for Breakthrough, and it's here. My husband, Tom, and I were ministering in Edmonton, Canada, one August during a time when they were experiencing one of the most severe droughts in modern history. They had had a very warm winter and dry spring and had not had rain for months. Because I always checked the weather forecasts before arriving in a new city, I knew there were no weather patterns indicating that they could ex expect any relief. But the first night of our conference, in the middle of my message, I suddenly heard the Lord tell me to decree that the heavens be opened and release the sound of abundance of rain. So I prophesied what I had heard the Lord say. So important to follow the Spirit, yeah? Even if it interferes with your good plans. <laughs> That's always usually the biggest hindrance, yeah. Like, no, Lord, not, not, not now, don't, don't interrupt what I'm doing. I'm doing something profound, okay. So I prophesied what I heard the Lord say, directed the people to shout for joy in response to the word of the Lord, and we pointed our fingers toward the sky, sky while decreeing an abundance of rain. Something must happen. After agreeing with the voice of God by speaking, decreeing, and doing a prophetic act, I love prophetic acts, they're, they're great. It gives, it's something to do, you know? You can't work for it, but there are things that you can do, prophetic acts. We've done some really crazy prophetic acts. It got us here. We've literally jumped through hoops. One day we had hoops, you know, like big hula hoops. And uh, it was out here, actually kind of where the building is, on the property on the hill here. And we're some, there was some word, somehow we end up walking through these hoops, like it was the funniest thing, but we just were doing things we felt to do, yeah? And it was, it was like, and those are the things, they're fun. You look at the visitors, you go, oh boy, you're going to think we're nuts. But we're doing something in faith. I've referred many, many times to all I could do when we had a word that there would be a building here was come up, take some used, not even new, four by fours, build three crosses, stick them on the hill, and start laying rocks at the bottom. I mean, that was it. That's all I was allowed to do. Everything else I tried to do to get a building, it just didn't work. 
The Mormons could do things and get a building. The Jehovah Witnesses could do things and get a building. Everybody could do things and get a building. And I was just couldn't. I just was boom. I was up against a big hand. And Yahweh was written across it. You know, like, don't push on that hand. So they did this prophetic act. Point the figure to the sky. And uh, she goes, after agreeing with the voice of God by speaking decrees, doing a prophetic act, I shifted back into the message I was giving that night. Fifteen minutes later, I noticed that someone came in the back door and whispered to some family members. I just can see this happening here. Those individuals got up and left the service. Soon others came in, whispering to their friends and families. And again, those individuals got up and left, leaving the poor pastor alone. No, I yeah, just put that in. It's not in here. Soon others came in, whispering to their friends, families, the God of that. This was becoming disruptive, so I paused in my ministry and act, asked what was happening that people were leaving the service. With big smiles on their faces, they began to shout, It's raining. It's raining. We ran quickly to the doors and saw that all those who had left the service were in the parking lot dancing in the rain. Pretty soon, the whole congregation was dancing and declaring, the drought is over, the drought is over. When watching the weather report that night on the local news, we were amused to see that the meteorologists were perplexed, commenting that they had not seen the rain coming. It seemed to come out of nowhere. It rained the whole week we were there. So let's shift our faith up a few notches. Let's get a little better perspective. You know, you don't have to get too much higher in elevation to totally change your perspective. We've lived on this road forever, and occasionally I walk across up to our neighbors, and just standing there and turn around and look back at my house it looks so different. It just looks so different. You'd be like, wow, when I'm there, my house doesn't look like this. Well, no, but I get over here, get over here, look up. It's just a little different elevation, and what a difference it makes. In the spirit, even if you take baby steps up, it can change the perspective. See clearer. You see something that you couldn't see before, and you stand in that place and you make that declaration from that place, something has to change. Several weeks later, when we were back in home in Florida, the pastor called us. He said, we are still rejoicing at how the Lord spoke and decreed an end to our drought. But here's my question. How do you shut it off? <laughs> it hasn't stopped raining since. Clearly, God shifted the atmosphere over Edmonton and brought an open heaven through the power of the decree. Put some teeth on your prayers. I've read out of this little book before by Derek Prince. And um, in this section... <clears throat> Uh, called um, let me make sure I'm on the right page here I am what it means to proclaim the word proclaim 
is a strong word. It comes from a Latin word that means to, to shout forth. A related word in the language of the New Testament is one that means to confess. Confess means to say the same as. For us, as believers in the Bible, confession involves saying the same thing with our mouths as God has already said in his word. When we make the words of our mouths agree with the word of God, we position ourselves to receive the full backing authority of Jesus. In Hebrews 3.1, the writer said that Jesus is the high priest of our confession. This is a very important statement. If we have no confession, we have no high priest. This is Derek Prince, like he was an amazing man of God. Strong statement. If we have no confession, I never heard anybody write that. I saw anybody write that before. If we have no confession, we have no high priest. Wow. This is very important. Jesus is the high priest of what we confess. In other words, whenever we say with our mouths what the Bible says about us as believers in Christ, then we have Jesus as our high priest in heaven, releasing his authority and his blessing over our confession. Just to commentate on that, if we move in the opposite direction and say with our mouth what the enemy's whispering in our ear and what we're feeling, we're releasing that authority over our lives. If we remain silent, however, in a certain sense, we cut off his ministry to us as high priest. If we make a wrong confession, we do even worse. In such a case, we invite negative forces to surround us and move upon us. I guess the word would be, don't do it. <laughs> it's so tempting. You know, the light, you get kind of isolated, the lights go out, and it's so tempting to not say what you're feeling. That just seems so real. Resist. Resist and see what changes in your life. Proclamation is a confession that is made aggressive. It is a word that speaks of spiritual warfare. It is releasing the authority of God's word into a situation, into your own life, your family, the life of your church, a political situation, or whatever it may be. There are countless situations that need to have the power of God released into them, and there is no more effective way to release the power of God than by proclamation. Proclaiming is really the activity of a herald. Herald is a word that we don't use very much today, but in medieval times, the herald was a person with authority from a king, a duke, or some other nobleman who would go to a public place and make a proclamation of the will and decision of that ruler. This creates an amazing picture, word picture for us. He would shout out, oh, I can't pronounce it, O-Y-E-Z, Ove, like Oves, Ove, I don't know. Something that starts with an O, ends with a Z. And then make the proclamation, so whenever people heard, oh, yay, oh, I can't, I don't know how, what, um, yeah, somebody's laughing at me, that, yeah, I can't pronounce that, like angels, like whatever. They knew it represented the voice of authority. So when they made that proclamation, said that, that word out loud in a 
authoritative way. People gathered. They knew what was coming was from the king. They knew it represented the voice of authority. They would stand at attention and listen to what was being said. In the New Testament, although it doesn't clearly come out in most translations, the word preach is the word for a herald. It means to proclaim, to speak with our mouths. In Hebrews 11.3, can turn there with me. Let's spend a moment here. <clears throat> Hebrews 11.3. Well, it's a beautiful day outside. <laughs> um, faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. He spoke, and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. He spoke with his mouth, and the invisible realm, the realm that cannot be seen, gave birth to all that is seen. Words, his words, God's spoken word gave birth. Jesus then instructs us to do the same, especially when it comes to asking for healings and deliverances and the things that we so desperately need. Matthew 17, verses 20 and 21. He told them it was because you lack faith. Now they had been trying, the disciples had been trying to pray for someone to be delivered from a demon. It was because of your lack of faith, I promise you, if you have faith inside of you no bigger than the size of a small mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, here we go again, you can say to this mountain, move away from here and go over there and you will see it move. There is nothing you can't do. And then the next verse, interesting, we know this verse, he says, but this kind of demon is cast out only through prayer and fasting. I, I, I just feel like I have something as far as understanding of this verse after all these years. I'm very familiar with this. And um, it kind of always perplexed me, especially the context, like this kind, and, and the disciples are like, okay, did you fast and pray? Well, actually, Jesus was always praying, and you know, so he was, actually. But there's a principle here. It's something I've been realizing and understanding about prayer. Like, we so easily look at each other. It's a great thing to say. It really is. I'll be praying for you, right? So, what do you actually pray? Like, what do you do when you do that? Like, oh, Lord, please help somebody. I mean, what, what are you actually doing? And what... What are you doing in light of the fact that your words have authority and that what you speak and what you believe will come to pass if you speak to this mountain and be removed? I, I want to submit to you to move your prayer life. Um, well, it's not that it's wrong. And that's what I believe this, this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. And why is that? 
Because in order to deliver a person from this kind of demon, this situation, you need to go over here and sit down and pray and fast for a while. Pray and focus and ask the Lord what the key is and ask. Ask before you come over here and do this. So that when you come over, when you walk into this situation, when you come up to this person, you have a word, you have a direction, you know what the key is. And you're able to address it. You know the name of that thing. You know the key to this situation. And now you have a, you've got a word. You're now on fire. I watch all of you. When you get something like this, you're like, I watch Phyllis all the time. Like, she's on a mission. All of a sudden, she has something. doesn't matter what's going on. You know, like, excuse me, bop, bop, bop. She jumps in the car. <laughs> off goes the Subaru. Yeah. Right? But it's a good thing. It's funny to watch, but it's, it's a good thing because, what, because she has something. And when she has something, then, the, then she calls in that situation as an illustration. So our praying, like the praying needs to be, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you. I'm going to ask the Lord what he wants to do with you. I want to ask the Lord for, for something for you. And you pray for that, and you sit, you wait on the Lord for that. Then if the Lord's going to use you and gives you something, now you go, and now you engage your authority to speak, to declare, to speak to this, move, this mountain, be removed. Impossible prayers. Now I can face the impossible thing because I have a word from the God of possibilities. And he, he's not limited by what's impossible. Because to speak to a mountain and ask it to move is pretty ridiculously impossible, right? Unless you're into something weird and, you know, been watching too many Star Wars movies. What a difference it makes, and that's what I realized, Jesus, this, I finally understand this. The fasting is prayer. It's not so much that you... Get more authority if you sacrifice if you if you fast. Like it's hard to keep fasting in the right perspective. It turns into works real quickly or denial real quickly, and you you're like I'm fasting so I can gain favor with God, so I can like it, it, have you is it just me that gets conflicted about this? Like okay, I'm doing a good thing, but am I doing it for the right? Like is it a right? Is it a good thing for me? Am I going about this right? It's a good thing if it's a good thing. It's a bad thing if you're, you don't have the right revelation about it. But if you're fasting in prayer, it's like, I'm going to set myself aside because this is a big, this is big. Sometimes we're up against biggies, huh? So you withdraw, you back away. Jesus, he found places to withdraw, and he did this a lot. Hey, where's Jesus? I don't know, I lost him. Where's he? Like, it's like keeping track of your grandchildren when you're watching them, you know? Every once in a while, you'd lose one, and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, you're, Around the house and up here, down, is he here, is he there, is he there? You know, yeah, we just had that this week. Sitting around the corner of the house playing with his little cars and trucks. Being, he was in silent mode. I don't know where he came up with that, but you know, even though we were calling for him, he decided to be. You get a word, you get direction, you pray and you ask the Lord. Ask him expecting Lord, what's the key to this? I do this when I'm praying for myself. 
Like, before I get all wound up about praying for something, I'm like, what's the key to this? What's the prayer I need to pray? Is this a healing? Is it a deliverance? Is it a, you know, what, what is it? How, how do I pray for this? Because people that received healings, deliverances, things in the Bible, they came in all kinds of ways, didn't they? I mean, about the time you go, it's always going to be this way, eh. <laughs> sometimes you fast and pray. Sometimes you just walk in the room. Like Sometimes the presence that's on you touches someone and they're healed just because you walk by them. Just from presence, his presence in you. That's a very valid thing. Peter, like, wow. After all of the things he went through, a little denial, a little bit of betraying Jesus, stuff like that. When he got all straightened out, he was supernatural. I mean, don't miss that point. He was amazing. They could take his snot rags and send them someplace, and they'd heal people. And see, we have a nice handkerchief. Where do you think that came from, huh? I had a... I had a towel when I was, uh, when that anointing was hitting me so strong, I was sweat like a horse. Someone that watched me in agony, it was great, but it was like intense, bought me a, of all the things, I think it was a Pittsburgh Steeler terrible towel. I kept that. Now, it was like, from wiping the sweat off my face, I kept it. Now, there's no supernatural anointing with that not that I know of anyways but I have it in my drawer Paul he had so much there's so much presence with him like this was a real thing they would send things from from his possession or he walked through a city or room things were things happened that's to be normal actually and it's not because we're striving not because we're you know trying to self-sacrifice till we get God to move. It's about walking in faith and obedience and listening, hear what he says. So we pray, and now we woke up. Let's pray for somebody. You don't walk up and pray. You, you walk up and you use your authority, and you go, well, here were some of the Jesus examples of the Scripture. Stretch out your hand and be made whole. Like, you know, you have someone you're going to pray for, you walk up to them, stretch out your hand and be made whole. How about rise, take up your bed, and walk? Kind of like, uh, hello, I'm a cripple. I've been a cripple. I can't just, I can't do that. They didn't take that into consideration. They just moved in the spirit. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Huh. Next thing you know, stand up. I didn't know I could do that. Like, Lazarus, come forth. How do you talk to a dead body? Yell into the, you know, into the tomb. You know, like, sir, he certainly, he stinketh by now, you know? Don't be, don't be bringing him out here, right? Like, he's, he's been dead long enough, he smelleth. Jesus, Lazarus, come forth. Sometimes he prayed just because, for the sake of the people around him. Well, is it better if I say, take up your bed and walk or be healed in the name of Jesus? Like, what, what, what suits you? You know, he said that once. Woman, thou art loosed. That's a good one. 
be careful with that, but, you know, you could <laughs> try that one. You see, what are they? They're, they're, they're statements, they're words that are attached to faith. Jesus looks at the storm and the raging waves, and what does he do? Peace be still. He speaks to the silly waves. we got to get used to unusual. I won't say the word weird. But the way we go about this is so different than what our mentality is about praying for things and praying for people. And, and the things we do, and prophetic, all that, it's great, it's good, but let's move into the challenge of praying for the impossible and declaring things over things that in the natural there's no way. But there's enough of faith in you, there's enough hope in you that you're able to, to do this. How am I doing on time? It's good. Um, Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, and I'll close with that. The best thing that would happen is if you leave here and ponder this. We all have situations that pop up, Right? Does anybody have any lack of raw materials to work with? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, you're like, oh, I saw the looks. Yeah, like, are you kidding me? I've got three suitcases full of them. Acts chapter 3, 1 through 10. One afternoon, Peter and John went to the temple for the 3 o'clock prayer. As they came to the entrance called the Beautiful Gate, they were captured by the sight of a man crippled from birth being carried and placed at the entrance to the temple. He was often brought there to beg for money from those who were going into worship. When he noticed Peter and John going into the temple, he begged them for money. Peter and John, looking straight into the eyes of the crippled man, said, they didn't stop and go, hey, can we pray for you? Let's, you know. I'm just, I'm not knocking it. Please, please hear my heart. I, I'm not knocking that. It's, you know, it's better that than nothing. However, there's a whole nother level that we need to move into. I just, I hope we can just move into this. Look at us. Expecting a gift, he readily gave them his attention. Oh, oh, oh. Then Peter said, I don't have money. The beggar's like... But I'll give you this. By the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. It wasn't a time to argue or debate this. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't for that, was it? Um, sir, you just asked me to do something I can't do. And we're, are we not always explaining ourselves and our situations and why it hurts and what's going on? I mean, it's okay, but... I think there's another way to live. I'm really curious about it. It's kind of like the rabbit hole. And once you go down the hole, boop, you meet Diane. 
Peter held out his right hand to the crippled man. As he pulled the man to his feet, suddenly power surged into his crippled feet and ankles. So there was the action. Sometimes, a lot of times, there's an action. There's something to do. Not works, but a prophetic act. A movement. Peter made a movement. And the crippled man responded. And bang, up he came. The man jumped up. Look at that. Stood there for a moment, stunned. Like, can you not imagine seeing a man crippled for life? He jumps up and goes, what the heck did I just do? Like, and then then he realizes, I'm standing up. I'm standing. I'm not going to just stand around here and be a pious It's time to dance. He began to walk around as he went into the temple. Oh, that was probably bad. With Peter and John, he leapt for joy, shouted praises of God. That probably got some pride. It did, actually. When all the people saw him jumping up and down and heard him glorifying God, they realized it was the crippled beggar. Hey, that's the beggar. We all know him. Probably had a name. Here he only got crippled beggar, but he had a name. Everybody knew him. They realized it was the crippled beggar they had passed by in the front of the beautiful gate. Astonishment swept over the crowd, for they were amazed over what had happened to him. Church growth 101. Here we, yeah. And actually without that, we don't, we don't need to grow the club. We need bread in the house, as Tommy Tenney would always say. You get bread in the house, people be breaking the door down that are hungry. When you have the substance of what we read about and learn about, there's, I'm telling you, even, even, I'll get his name right today, Zacchaeus, (laughs) even Zacchaeus, that creepy, corrupt, tax collector humbles himself, climbs up in a tree just to see this Jesus who's doing amazing things. I'm hungry for that. I got everything I need, but I want, I'm hungry for, to know who he is and what he has. And Jesus saw the hunger, said, you, Zacchaeus, you come down. I have a prophetic appointment with you today. I'm supposed to be at your house today. You better come down and get there so I can, you know. Now we have encounters. Now we have, we have stuff happening. And now the testimony spreads. The words rise up and walk are in the imperative mood. Not asking permission, but giving a command. Let's pray. Raise up your hands. Father, you've already done this, but in Jesus' name, I give everyone here today authority to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to to work and do signs and wonders. If we have 
you said the tiniest bit of faith. The faith is so small, it's like a tiny seed that seems so, so insignificant. If we just have that, we can move mountains. We can do great things for your name. Transform us, stir our hearts up to believe. In Jesus' name, amen. And happy Mother's Day. <laughs>